Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on today's podcast, we really have a special guest. We've worked with Dan Illman and his wife, Laura, for over 10 years now. This guy is such a great guy. We're so blessed that he shared what he shared on the podcast. It took him a little while to warm up. Um, you'll hear him taking some breaths at the beginning. He's really just catching his breath on this podcast. And if you stay right into the end of this podcast, he just shares some of his own thinking about real estate and some of his personal story. Um, and you can see he really gets comfortable at the end and shares some of some really, I think, kind of intimate thoughts um, about himself and his own life. So just a really good guy. Nick's on the podcast as well. We talk about Dan's investing journey, some of the crazy stories that he's gone through, sorry, crazy experiences that he's gone through with real estate, why he got involved in real estate. Anyway, y'all hear it all on this podcast. And listen, if you're listening to this and trying to figure out if real estate is right for you, one of the places or probably the most, pop, not probably, the most popular spot where people check out real estate from us is a copy of our books. And the most popular one has always been Income for Life for Canadians. You can buy that book on Amazon or you can get a free digital copy of that book at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. And in that book, we share real Canadian experiences and examples of different properties we've worked on with investors over the years so that we can all learn from each other. In fact, all our books are Canadian-based content, but that's some of the most valuable thing that we think we can bring and share because when we were getting started, we could only find like US-based real estate information and often it didn't apply to us here in Canada. In fact, when Nick and I started, we were uh, doing, Nick was doing a flip, then we ended up with some student rental properties and then we went down this rent-to-own adventure and everyone told us it wasn't possible, it was only a US-based thing, but we figured out how to do it in Canada it up properly with Canadian agreements and we share all these kinds of different strategies and all the different books but if you want a copy you can get that at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books and with that let's get on with the show are you ready to live life on your terms is it time to take charge real estate business building the economy health and nutrition and more it's the your life your term show with Tom and Nick Caradza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with Dan Illman. Nick, can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Okay, perfect. Uh, Dan, Dan thank can you hear me? I can hear everybody. Oh, this is okay. great. Dan, Alex, can you hear us? I can hear Oh my you. gosh, we can check, all hear each check, other. This check, is a check. perfect podcast. Okay. Dan, um, so Dan, the goal with talking to you today is we meet so many people who want to get started in real estate and they have all these kinds of fears about real estate. You've battled a lot of different things with real estate. So we want to share your positive journey, but also all the things that you've been through and survived through and you're, how you're still living today. Because real estate, most people, I think, they sell it as like a passive income kind of thing and it's far from passive income it's definitely an active business when you're a real estate investor but i want to start at the beginning you before you met us what were you, you were driving a truck what can you tell us what you were doing okay so uh i was a truck driver and i drove a flatbed truck it had one of those little red forklifts on the back uh, i drew, deliver shingles to people's houses so the they're getting the roofs done and the roofers would want their shingles first thing in the morning, so I'd be the guy driving the truck, and I'd show up and take off my forklift and drop off the shingles in their driveway and wave and go away. 
Did you ever have people screaming at you when you dropped them off in the wrong spot? Because Nick would totally scream at you if you put it in like in the wrong spot. No, I make friends with all those guys. They're all my friends. I like those guys. No, if you put them on Nick's curb, like on the side of his driveway, he'd be freaking out. Okay, I I've dealt with people like that before. <laughs> Tom's so full of it. Not for that. I don't care. <laughs> I actually had somebody grab my jacket and give me a shake because of when I showed up. He just told his whole crew to go home, and then I drive up. I stop. I throw in the air brakes. And I like I get out and he says, "Where do you want?" Or I'm saying, "Where do you want these?" And he came up and gave me a good shake. Pull the mic right to your mouth, then. So, uh, but isn't aren't you delivering? Like, aren't you the delivery guy for the shingles part of the shingle company? No, you're the wholesaler. You were working for a different company. Um, I was employed by the company that was providing the shingles. The roofers were Order going to that, yeah, got it. Okay. that company to buy Have them. you done any construction before? Do you yeah, know no, no. I work? just didn't know if this was a big enough shingle company where he was like, they warehouse the shingles. But yeah, that wouldn't make sense. All the different colors and styles. Oh, we and all had that a kind of mass, stuff. massive warehouse. You mean a big enough roofing company? Sorry, a big enough shingles. roofing company. Yeah, Thank so you. No, there was nobody on staff that swung a hammer and, and did the installation. Yeah, got it. Got it. Okay. Damn, so everybody wanted their shingles early and they didn't want them the day or two before because we were talking about theft. Yeah, they disappear overnight. It's a common thing. Wow, I can't even imagine pulling up and just stealing shingles off someone's driveway. I often wonder if that's true. I just think they say that. So No, but I don't know. I know from construction sites in the past, you would show up sometimes and yeah. things were, supplies were gone and stuff, Yeah, right? actually, I remember when I moved into Oakville, uh, the street behind us, what are those things in a roof that, you know, it's a, it's kind of like a triangle, like a truss? Is it called a truss or whatever that goes up okay. and builds the roof of a house? Some guy with a trailer pulls up to the street behind us and starts stealing all these pre-built trusses. Oh, because wow. oh, they were prefab. They were prefab, but oh. just throws them on a trailer. They don't fit on the trailer. Like, they're sticking out either side. Like, this is the big... So, I guess just the wood that he wanted? I guess he just wanted the wood. He starts okay. driving away. The, one of the, the security guards or, like, the assistant super of the site catches him doing this after hours. He takes off, gets his uh, the guy's plate. They end up catching the guy, right? They track his plate. They track him, like... What was like, is that was the smartest idea you had? Pull up like at 7 p.m. when it's still daylight in the summer and load up these trusses and like drive away with someone chasing you. Like you couldn't have gotten more creative than that. But uh, yeah, so I believe it does happen. But who knows how often it happens. So um, how did you get into, so you're doing this. When did you get interested in real estate? Pardon the silence while I'm, I'm trying to... Uh fix my thoughts maybe we can edit that part out so uh i was there for like eight and a half years and uh part way through that i sort of saw my entire life go right to rat shit um i i i had to face the death of my dreams and here i am stuck in this bullshit job that i absolutely hate and this is all going on at the same time so i mean uh, i hate the job i have i go home and i hate the life i have you know, like uh, I wanted to be a fireman since I was three, and uh, that's okay, man. Nervous. Take a breath. Yeah, no, take a breath. So, I wanted to be a fireman since I was three, and uh, like I'd done all sorts of college courses, and I got upgraded college courses and new stuff, and I quit like full time jobs three or four times to go and get more schooling. I went down to Texas A and M University, and I got like some of the best firefighter training in the world. So I come back and, and I'm competing with, you know, like 1,500 or 1,000, 1,200 people for, you know, like 10 or 12 or 15 jobs, right? I'm not breathing. 
So they're picking like their top 12, their top 15 guys. And I'm scoring like maybe 20, 25th, right? Oh, it's a, t- oh, it's yeah. a tough industry, man, to get into. So then they, they say, we're going to put you on the short list or we're going to put you in the pool. So the next time we hire in the next year and a half or two years, we'll call you. So then they'd hire, you know, like eight. And I'd be like the 10th. Or Damn. Um, they hired four guys and I was the fifth. Um, like two, uh, two guys, and I was the fourth. Uh, so, were you? Were do you think they were using that as an excuse? Like, were they just bullshitting you a little bit on saying, "Hey, Dan, yeah, you're fifth, and we took four just to kind of keep." No, I guess they wouldn't. There's so much demand; they don't need to keep you interested. No, I don't think so. Yeah. So it was probably legit. I I, I don't know that yeah, part. Yeah, how would I you can't know? Say right? Yeah. Uh, maybe it was just something in the interview they didn't like, and they're just just saying, "Not this guy." I, I don't know. Yeah, like, it's a nice way of saying. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know the process. So I mean, uh, that's going on over and over. But I'm still I'm close. I'm close. So it's it's right there. And uh, then my eyesight my eyesight went, so I got retreated. And then it went. And then I got retreated. I had to meet 20, 30 vision. So, so in the eight and a half years that I'm there, um, you know, I've got to get my, I had got my eyes done in 98 and 2001, 2005 maybe, so that I can meet this 20, 30 standard, the magic number. If you're below that, like 20, 35, 20, 40, uh, you're done, right? You don't pass the eye test, you're done. So, I'm about 20, 20, 40 or so. And the doctors are saying, we're not going to do your eyes anymore, Dan. So if I want to get perfect eyesight, I have to get a t- cornea transplant from somebody that's died. Holy oh, smokes. That's a little extreme. And you can't wear contacts or glasses? This is like without, I know nothing about this. Okay. So this is not with contacts or glasses, so this eye, eye it, test? It's 20, 30 vision uncorrected in both eyes. Okay. Or that's the standard in Ontario. So uncorrected meaning no contacts, no, no glasses. Okay. So anyway, the eyesight finally goes and like I'm out of options now. So all the guys that I've gone to school with are getting full-time jobs and they're, they're getting pretty good money. And here, here I am sitting at no pension, no benefits. And I'm really not happy there. Now, the only reason why I was there for eight and a half years is because they were in the same town as my house and my volunteer fire department, right? So part-time, paid-on-call, volunteer, whatever term you want to use. So uh, they, I worked a deal out with the employer that if my, my fire department pager went off during the day and I wasn't, like, you know, delivering shingles or something, working in the warehouse, that, you know, if, uh, if it was reasonable, I would go, and then I could jump on a fire truck and, and go and save lives and protect property, right? So I always have, oops. I always carry around this um, brick, a pager. When was the last time you saw a pager, guys? It's been a while, man. And that thing Especially looks that like pager. even older than I'm used to. Yeah. That looks like some kind of crazy pager. Yeah. So, so this is about the size of um, one of those weights that would go on a scuba diving belt and weighs about the same. And uh, I'm on call 24 seven, even today. And, uh, you know, when it goes off, uh, if I can, I come running. That that specific pager, when that thing goes off, is that like the bat signal? Like what comes out of that speaker? Man? So it goes beep, 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 beep. Okay. And then... Um, is there a voice? Yeah. 
So it's uh, generally a, a generally they say attentions my fire station firefighters uh, respond to blah 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 for a medical call for a structure fire for a motor vehicle collision something like that. Oh geez, so for every so it doesn't matter the type of call they just need your help. We're the fire department. Yeah, got it. For some reason I thought it was very specific reasons they would call you, but it could be even motor vehicle like any fire call you could be called into. Yeah, you know, like. Uh, yeah, we're the fire department. I'm four percent of my fire hall, or something like that. Uh, there was a time where we didn't have any full-time firefighters, so you know we were first there, and there was nothing else coming. You're calling volunteer fire departments, uh, firefighters to to attend your whatever. Wow. So, so so Dan, how long have you been doing this then? It's been a while now. That's 2005. Yeah, got it. So it was a, just a couple months after I got this job uh, with the roofing uh, roofing supply company. Okay, so let's see. So back but, to the real estate, yeah. yeah so what's yeah. that? So that's 2005. What are we, 2000? And let's take a guess, 2007. We started working with people 2006, 2007. Oh, yeah. So you, you were probably 2007, 2008? Yeah, so I found, I attended my information session in probably October of 2008 something like maybe November but something like that and then I bought my first property in January of 2009 and that's right when the US market's exploding right it was great well it was a great good credit to you for buying here in 2009 many people were like forget it I'm not buying real estate in 2009 in Canada because the floor is gonna come out of this market as well you're crazy Dan yeah that's right that's right Got it. Okay. And so why, I'm curious, you go through this journey and I mean, thanks for sharing that, Dan. Like I can tell, the, you, you know, I didn't know you were going to share some of this stuff. So thank you for, for sharing this stuff. I think it's helpful for a lot of people. I mean, when I was in my twenties to hear someone share what you just shared, I think that's, it's, it's really impactful twenties, thirties, forties today. So thank you. Um, but, uh, why real estate? Did you read a book or did you, what, what motivated you to check out real estate? So I'm driving a truck. And I'm not happy. And I figure if I quit there, I'll get another job driving a truck. And how long will it be before the same thing happens? So I went, okay, there's got to be another way. So I've got no pension. I've got no retirement savings. So I better at least figure something out for my future, right? And so I started to do some research about other options. And, uh, you know, I looked into the stock market and dividends and drips and blah 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 and I learned about the money system I feel the same way blah 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 and all that shit but anyway sorry go ahead yeah I know I'm, I'm not being fair but uh, I'm sure someone listening to this is gonna just roast me for that but uh, but I'm with you but like I thought stocks were pretty cool I fell in love with a stock um, oil sands quest it was up in uh, northern Saskatchewan and they said that they could see the fires from the Alberta oil sands from, from their sites, right? And I thought, this has got to be a good place. It's right close to the oil sands, and it's really cheap. And, hey, a penny stock, right? But I hesitated giving them my money. I would have handed them every dime I had because I thought they were. I thought that yeah, was Yeah, we've great, all been there, man. We've all done that know? stuff. <laughs> and, and then, I don't know, it went from like 19 cents to like $6.21, and I'm going, oh, man, I missed out. And then, I don't know, there was some kind of fraud or something and wiped them down to like nothing. So kind of like a Brex or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went, woo, that was close. So that's something I had no control over at all. 
So I went, okay, I don't really want to do that all that much because I didn't see that coming. And you go from stocks to other stuff that you can invest in. So you think part-time job, the side business, uh, blah, 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 maybe self-employed. Uh, and that led me to real estate investing. So I looked at other options, but you guys, um, you're the right fit for me. How did you, because uh, you, li- uh, where were you living? What city were you living in when you found us? You were on the east side of Toronto. Yeah, so we're just to the north of Newmarket. So they share our border, they're too, directly to our side. I'm trying to figure out how you even found us back then, because you're just the north of Newmarket. We were in Oakville at that time. Um, now we're back in Oakville. Online, it must have been. I guess our, it was it must online. Have been the I don't think we were running site, any yeah. newspaper ads up there. I found you guys in a newspaper. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, you were a bottom name? left ad. Bottom left. That's oh bad placement. God, yeah, yeah, we got okay. screwed. Um, and we've discussed through the years what newspaper it was, and I, I can't remember, I can't but remember. but it could have been a Toronto or an Oakville paper that somehow I got my hands on. But, yeah, got it. But it was like call our call our number. Um, yeah. And leave a message, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, yeah, yeah. and we had a, no website. Yeah. And there was a fax number. You know, yeah, state of the right. art. Yeah, 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 yeah. We were leading edge. Both Nick and I had software backgrounds, but in this business, we had no website, nothing. <laughs> we're like, well, maybe Dan's, worked. maybe someone like Dan will hopefully call this number. Well, at that time, putting up a website was a lot. Di- like, I mean, we could, but it was basic. But putting up a half-decent website was a lot different than today. Today is drag and drop, and in five minutes, you have this beautiful-looking website. Back then, it was like you actually had to code the damn thing. It was, it was a whole different world, and that was only. Like, what was that, 10 years ago, really? And it was like a lot of things have changed. Ten and a half years, yeah. Yeah. So when you bought that first property, uh, can you tell us a bit about it? What was it, like a student rental or rent-to-own? What what did you buy? So that was a single-family house up on the Hamilton Mountain, uh, and it was a rent-to-own. And I thought, if this doesn't work in their backyard where they say it's going to work, this isn't going to work anywhere. Oh, shit. So you guys sort of suggested up on the mountain, and I followed your advice. I followed the system that you guys outlined in your uh, your books. And Thank God it worked. You know? <laughs> Did it work? We don't know. I don't know. I can't remember well, this property. Well, he's here now. Yeah, I figured I it, it worked. worked. <laughs> so I still have that property today. Um, I've had at least, I think I'm on my third tenant there. Got it. Um, it hasn't been perfect. My first two tenants were... Now, my first tenant was wonderful, but they, they split up. And uh, the second one, they had some troubles paying the rent. And uh, I've had a family in there for got to be a good six or seven years at this point. Oh, they, wow. they're, they're great. They, they're never late. Um, never um, what did them. you buy that property for in 2009? Do you remember? Roughly. Ballpark it. I can guess it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it. Yeah, in 2009, you bought that property for $234,000. I was going to say two twenty-four. Yeah, was my guess. I think I got it for two forty-nine nine. Yeah, oh, okay. We, oh, were, we oh, were getting damn. expensive we were by that point. We were selling some pricey yeah. shit. But, but hang on here for a second. Um, Mike negotiated with the sellers to pay my closing costs. Oh, oh yeah. that was that era. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, edit that out if you feel... Oh my gosh! No, 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 no! We no, did that like, all on the up and up. That was documented yeah. on the agreements. Uh, I believe that's the correct price, anyway. So, wow, 
Yeah. So 249 closing costs. And yeah, we, we're not able to get the banks to approve any of those deals anymore. They won't allow that. That was the time where some people we were working with were buying properties at like 0% down because CMHC had some 0% down programs wow. with closing costs in. So we know of some investors Ooh. who bought 0% down with closing costs in. They literally bought investment properties with nothing down. You know, that's not even really possible anymore. That was just that little sliver of time. And remember well, that- Well, with those with those mortgages and closing costs, closing costs we were getting for years though. We got that for Yeah, you're for right, because we years, had to right? argue with different realtors about that, how it was like legitimate because we were putting it on the agreement of purchase and sale that we were asking for this. This isn't wasn't something that we were doing on the side or anything. This was all documented and people would just scream at us. Oh yeah, we ask, got chastised. Like, yeah, like how could, dare you ask for that? And we were just like, hey look, we're just asking for it. You can some of them say were, no. Yeah. And some of them were the best. They're like, you can't do this. This is, this is fraud. You have to do this on a side agreement. And I'm like, hold on, what? you know, you know, like when we're, we're putting it on the agreement, it's not fraud. If you have a side agreement, that's fraud, right? I'll like never I forget that because we had multiple people yeah. tell us that, like, listen, you can't put this on the agreement of purchase and sale. You're going to have to negotiate this on the side. And I'm like, no, what you're talking about is fraud. That's what, what we, we should doing, doing is legitimate. We had to get a letter from our lawyer at the time stating like that. Here's the clause that we use. In my opinion, you know, it's a perfectly legal clause in Ontario and we would fax it. To the, to the agent saying, hey, like, look, look, we have a letter, you know, for our lawyer saying this is legal and stuff. You know, do you want to see a copy of it? And and a large number of them said, yeah, yeah, we want that. Or their office wanted it. You know, we had people report us to the Real Estate Council of Ontario yeah. oh, wow. saying that it was fraudulent. Mm -hmm. We're like, guys, this isn't fraudulent. This is just, and then they would be like, well, I've been in this business for this long and I've never seen it this way. I'm like, it, yeah, it doesn't mean it can't be done, you know? So in the commercial world, just, you know, on the investment side, it's because it was investment property. Properties, but in the com on the commercial side in the investment space that type of negotiation happens all, all the time it was just because it was in the residential space it hadn't been readily seen by a lot of the people and that's 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 where the problems kind of arose there was actually one brokerage that we won't mean mention the name of that basically told all the agents working there that they banned them from doing business with us <laughs> but then somebody on our team like a year later runs into a person from that brokerage they're doing a deal but now the tables are turned we're representing the seller so we have the list Thing, and they come to the uh, table with an offer with a closing cost clause in the agreement. Our clause. Uh, it was our clause. So before they made fun of us for it, and then a, not even a year later, they're taking it and yeah. using it, and then they're explaining to people, yes, this is how it works, and it's totally above board and yeah. stuff. So they were dragging us through it the mud, but then they were circle. using it anyway. Wow. Um, so Dan, you get that first property. I don't even know the answer to this. How many properties have you gone on to purchase? Yeah. I don't know. I think we're at 10 or 11 through the years. Okay, so you, were you, because I get this question a lot, were you able to do that from tapping, I guess, equity as your portfolio, as you know, your properties grew in value, you were able to pull out money and buy more properties? We managed to do that, uh, I don't know. Uh, at one point we were never gonna do that, but uh, I think three or four years ago, we, we, did, we did a pretty good refinance and pulled a bunch of equity out. We went shopping in London for some student rentals. Yeah, cool. That's a, that's a nice a nice feeling. And then all uh, all your properties have they always been cash flow positive through the years? Did you ever buy properties that were not cash flowing? I think they've all been cash flowing from day one. All yeah. rent to owns, Dan, or were, was it a okay? You just said you went to London. Did you get some student rentals in London? Yeah, we bought two on the same day. Oh, did you? Okay, student rentals by Western then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You still own those ones? Yes. We 
Okay. Yeah, Got it. Free. And then the goal for you with those properties is to create income to replace your in- like when you were getting these properties. Cause that's a pretty good sized portfolio. With the cash flow, did you have any income goals that you were going for? Like, what was the reasoning for collecting the properties? Because you didn't just stop at one. I mean, like, not many people go to 10 or 11 properties. Um, well, the hope is to, uh, like, retire early and, and just, you know, hang up your hat and say, I'm done with this crap. I don't have to drive a truck anymore, right? But I remember way back when um, telling my wife that... Uh, I wanted, we're 11 years apart, her and I, right? I'm the old one. Uh, but I remember telling her that I wanted uh, her to retire by the time she got to my age. And uh, like I, I wrote that on a little piece of paper that was left on one of the tables at the coffee office. Cool. Right? Um, August 8th, 2014. Oh, that was my goal. That's when I wanted to have 1.25 million and... I don't know if that was in assets or in money in the bank or what, because I didn't understand this stuff yet, right? I was kind of in the learning, learning. Uh, and you've carried that. So I, for anyone just, just listening to this, obviously you've, carried that thing. Yeah, so you've carried that in your wallet since then? Yeah, I got a problem. It's July uh, 2019, and this is <laughs> August of 2019. So anyway. <laughs> Are you going to read to us what's on there? or? Um, I didn't even plan on pulling this out, and quite frankly, I forgot you about it. You don't have to now. read to us what's on there. Um, this is a commitment that you made my to f- My first meeting with Mike was on October 22, 2008, and I wrote that I'd have $1.25 million because that's bigger than a million, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's bigger. Than <laughs> I don't know. So I wanted that. I wanted that. I like, by I like your, your your reasoning for having the one point two five. Yeah, million. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I wanted that by 2014, which which I. If it was in uh, assets, uh, I I achieved that quite handily. Oh, if it was, yeah, if it was right? just assets. In equity, I think, it just equity, you probably achieved it with amongst those properties. I'm certainly there. Yeah. yeah. Am I allowed to say? You can say whatever you want. Okay. Um, but this also says that Laura is supposed to retire sometime between August and November of this year. So I don't think we're quite there. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Laura. So she's not allowed to listen to this podcast. She can't. You're, yeah. you're taking that pretty hard, dude. It's okay. You're going to be okay. I haven't looked at that in a little while. Right? <laughs> it's funny because I wrote a whole bunch of stuff down on a dream board because I read all those yeah. books when I was in my 20s and about having a dream board. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to make one of these boards. So I got one of these boards. I put it in my walk-in closet and it was a cork board. And I put all these things, and a whole bunch of these weird things have come true. You put it in the walk. You're not supposed to put those in the walk-in closet. Aren't you supposed to put those like out someplace? You put it in no, the but I, I, I saw it. Well, first of all, it was a pretty ugly-looking board. It was just from like Staples. So and, Carol and, wouldn't let you no, have it. Yeah, in Carol, I don't think she would want me to hang this board anywhere in the house because it was just like a cheap cork board with a cheap piece <laughs> of wood around it. So I hung it in my walk-in closet. And um, to be fair, it was her walk-in closet too. So it was both of us. Uh, but I, she was probably looking back. I'm, I'm thinking she probably wondered what I was doing. But I put all these things, all these financial targets on this. And there's this one thing that hasn't come true yet. And I'm wondering if it hasn't. If it will come true because a whole bunch of other stuff has. I put these pictures of this property in Hawaii, where it has no walls. 
Like it just has some bedrooms and it has an outdoor living room with a roof, but like it's fully outside in the middle of this uh, family room is like a fire pit that I guess exhausts out somehow. I don't know. But basically the family room has no walls, but the bedrooms are off of this family room and they of course have walls and stuff. And it was on there and I remember this picture so vividly um, and it was in Hawaii. I'm like, hmm, this one hasn't really come true yet. I wonder if this thing's going to come true because these boards i don't know how but a lot of the stuff that i've written down over the years on that board on this uh green piece of bristol board next to you dan there i know well, what you mean yeah a lot of this stuff has actually like oh, come is. come true and it's kind of freaky you got to put that back up in your walk walk-in closet i need the bristol board back up no just the uh, picture but it's oh, got to be in the walk-in closet <laughs> if it's not in the walk-in closet it won't work because it worked last time yeah, yeah maybe the walk-in closet is the key so there you go dan so you're you're carrying that around i had my my vision board on in my walk-in closet i don't have one anymore you're right maybe i need a vision board anyway that's pretty good stuff so you buy these properties now um i was sold the idea that real estate was always passive income and that you know you just buy these properties and they just kind of go by themselves and everything's just honky dory and real estate has a ton of benefits but i know you've been through a ton of stuff I, I specifically remember something to do with, <laughs> with dogs ripping apart one of your properties. Can you share that? What happened on that? Pretty, you had a tenant. First of all, where was that property? I feel like that was on the east side of the city. Okay, so that's in Curtis, um, which is Clarington, Bowmanville area. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So it's a rent-to-own home. They give us $9,000. We buy a house for them. Um, it's within six months uh, and we're just coming back from a vacation. Laura, that's yeah, a big long story. Laura gets a phone call from the town saying they're gonna give us a fine for violating municipal noise bylaws. And it's like, what? And it's gotta do with dogs barking and the neighbors were unhappy, right? So uh, we know that they have a dog or two or something and uh, then they send us a letter saying we're moving out and there was two months there um, we're moving out as of this date so that two months is kind of a really unclear part even for us but when we went to the house to check on things and talk to them in person and stuff like that some people had moved out maybe somebody moved in we're not clear if it was a it was the same person or something like a really bizarre story here but there were nine dogs and there were five cats and of these nine dogs, was it four or five of them were big dogs, right? So they were in the backyard barking their heads off all day long. Oh, so these people just abandoned the dogs? Well, th this is during the period where they're living there, I guess. But that magic two months is like January and February. And we're really confused about what's going on during that period, right? We're going to the house. It looks like they live there, but they're never there. So during that period, um, during that period, they said, we're moving out, right? And the house is destroyed inside with these dogs. It was $15,000 to do repairs and stuff like that, right? And uh, the people that we needed to talk to were never there. But there was like a uh, grandfather with Alzheimer's and like a minor. So it's like, like we're not you're not, you're not answering the phone and when we go there in person you're not there so we're sort of out of ideas and meanwhile they've relocated to the city apparently and 
So the bylaw officer, when you get this notice, it comes to you as the owner of the property, this particular, sometimes those notices will go to the tenant, sometimes they'll come to the owner, but you guys get wind that this is coming to you, yeah. this noise violation. And I think that the, the bylaw people knew that we were the landlords and they were the tenants. And I think that was a, um, we understand the situation and we're giving you a heads up in case you don't know. Uh, but we never got a fine or anything like that. And that's when our, our you know, we hit them with everything legal that we could to, to expedite them out of that house. But at the same time, they're actively trying to move out. Got it. So t does the two months pass and uh, they do ultimately leave? Like yeah, do you, yeah, they're gone. Okay. Uh, you have vacant possession at this time? Like you enter the house, like you have a key to the house, so you're entering the yeah. house at this time? So we've been in and out and it kind of looks lived in and kind of doesn't. And we're, we're really confused. You know, um, I guess they've been in and out, which is leaving you really confused about the status of this house, right? And like things change from one visit to the next, but there's nobody home. Uh, it just, you know, the dogs weren't there at that point, but they'd already done their damage, but are they still living there? And I don't know what my legal, uh, I don't remember what my legal Obligation uh, was to that. Yeah. So when you take possession of this house, are there dogs left in the house? No, they'd moved. Okay, so everything's gone, but the damage is done to the house. Oh, uh, there's horrible amounts of garbage and, and shit left behind. Um, yeah, that, a lot of, like, uh, I th they were, like, using the basement for a bathroom and uh, peeing down the vents and all sorts of stuff. Like the animals were or the humans yeah. were? Well, I'm pretty sure it was the animals. Oh, okay. We, I was, we, say, uh, chance, I was like, whoa. <laughs> we, 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 we record, Here's a golden shower coming down the vent. Okay, <laughs> we recorded a video of going through that house. And uh, and Laura, I remember her commenting about the smell when she walked in. Especially and, ca like cats, the cat urine smell, man. Okay, and then she's going through stuff in the kitchen sink. And she goes, and a human diaper and like, Oh, my you God. Know. Okay. Uh, and you know what? I never thought, just while we're on this topic, if anyone has an investment property where you have a smell, we had Nick one property where we had that like dog smell in the house. We actually got ServPro, I think, to go in there and they kind of, it wasn't like they a had smoke. smoke. Yeah, well, they, they, they have said, multiple different stages yeah, depending on how bad it yeah, is. Yeah, and they had this one thing that I, it wasn't quite like a smoke bomb of the house, but it was some other technology or some other thing they did to the house totally eradicated the problem nice you couldn't go in i think for 24 hours and it totally i, I cannot believe because we had tried everything people were telling us to put charcoal in the house and you know vent out the house i think for for a little while we were using febreze because we're like i don't know maybe febreze can work <laughs> that's a thing. lot of febreze yeah that's a, yeah um but if you're listening there are totally ways to get rid of yeah, that kind of yeah. smell for sure so you guys then took some action i assume Okay, so they're they're out. The house is a mess. We hire a contractor. He, cl he cleans it up. Uh, we put it back on the market. Uh, I'm not really sure on how long that took. It could have been a month. It could have been two. It could have been three. But we, we got a new family in there. Uh, he was a GM worker. They stayed um, eight and a half. No, is it that long? Maybe eight and a half years, nine and a half years, something like that. Uh, they just moved out in January and they were, I mean, they weren't perfect tenants, but they were great. Wow. So, uh, we up, up the rent. So our cash flow got better. Uh, we actually chased down the former tenants in court and took them to small claims court and, and won. And, and, uh, we got a portion of our money back. Got it. Okay. Uh, and I, I, when all is said and done at the six month mark, we were, we broke even. 
Okay, even with the damage and the repairs and all that. What do you mean, six months after the new tenant moved in? So, six, like what's six month mark? Okay, when you include the rent to own deposit. Oh, I got And the you. construction costs and the yeah. ca- cash flow and stuff like that. When you you know mix it all up and yep. average it out, six months we break even, um, and then we we took them to court and tried to get our money back. And and uh, I guess the judges are a lot more lenient than I think they should be when it comes to stuff like that. And uh, we got perhaps uh, a fifth of what I think we were legally entitled to. Should I say that part? <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think the biggest thing for people to realize listening to this, if you're not, if you're an investor, there's absolutely no shock in what you just shared. Because if you're an investor for longer than five or ten years, you've absolutely seen anything. So I don't think that's why Nick and I are reacting. This doesn't okay. seem like like something yeah, crazy. Because it's, oh. it's a long term thing. So six to me, I'm like, I don't know, six months. That's pretty. That's actually sound, pretty good. Yeah. You renovated the place. You know, it. You you. Long term, you're able to increase the rent. You had another tenant in there for eight years, like the overall ROI. Yeah, so it's always it's it's the tough thing is always just you know the good parts or the bad parts, right? Because we have some people that have done you know rent own and uh, and have got these huge deposits and they'll share those stories. And whenever you look at things just in isolation of these moment in times, it's very easy to make it look very good or not so good or either way. But whenever you just extrapolate over the long term, that's I guess for us at least, that's we're always I'm always more interested in that. You know what I mean? Which which I know with, with Dan. Listen, if there's no misery in what you're doing, you probably aren't gonna be financially rewarded. I'm just gonna break it down Ooh, like that. That's a good way of looking at it. You really at. need to suffer. I've never met anyone I don't know. I, I'm just I just mean it sincerely and I don't mean you don't like I actually enjoy some of the suffering of building a business dealing with real estate now that I understand and I can appreciate the process well what's on the back of the shirt that you're wearing oh, that's uh, that shirt right yeah, read it. yeah. Read it. whoever can deal with the most shit wins yeah that's that, yeah. that right yeah like I've literally never that's met a Nick quote guys. yeah that's, Come an, on, that's, an, that's something Nick says has said for years and I've never met an older gentleman let's say like 70 75 years old come to me and say hey I you know I really did a this and it was so easy. Yeah. I've, I've never, I did nothing yeah, and it just worked I've out just amazing. I've never met that person. So like all my dreams when I was in my 20s of starting an online business, because I did start a few online websites and I thought, this is great. I'm just going to sell some products online and I'll just be at a beach somewhere with my wife and uh, you're going to go? Okay, yeah, sorry guys, up. I got to run. And uh, and I thought this was going to be really, really easy. Family commitments. I got it. Hey, I get it. I get it. And it was going to be something simple and I was just going to live on the beach and run my business and kind of be done with it. But now I've, I've come to appreciate that the, the, the suffering and the misery and the dealing with the shit, it's whoever deals with that stuff and goes through that process reaps the rewards. And it's something I try to share with my kids as well. I'm like, look, there's no easy button. There's no easy button. It's not, there's no easy button at the gym, at building a business, at dealing with real estate. There is none. Stop looking. Just choose what you want your life to stand for and then focus on that. So part of building Rockstar, Dan, look at all the stuff you've been through. Not easy. On our side, building this business has not been easy. But because we feel like we want to stand for this is something that we want to stand for. We want to help people live life on their terms. Even though cleaning out dog shit or baby diapers from the kitchen sink is not living life on your terms, it's part of putting in the assets that may be able to help you. And that's what we want our lives to stand for. So we're willing to deal with the misery and the shit to get there. I feel like I'm ranting now, so I'll stop. Hey, I have- had no idea what I was getting into, guys, and and it went great for most of it. Uh, but the times where it hasn't been great, it's it's uh, 
it's horrible. It's a bit of a challenge. Yeah, yeah. Horrible might be a bit. Yeah. Yeah, and I find right. that it's horrible in real estate because sometimes you, it's not. Um, there's no advanced warning. It's not like you can get something to say, hey, Dan, you know, it's January 1st, 2020. Just as a heads up, and this year in June in 2020, you're going to have an unexpected vacancy. That vacancy will have some repairs that are going to likely cost you between ten and 15000 and involve a contractor, and it might be somewhat upsetting. If you got that notice on January 1st with your real estate portfolio, I could see it actually being somewhat manageable because you're like, okay, in, in that time, I'll be prepared for that. But no, that's not what happens. It, what usually happens is right on the day you're about to go on vacation, or the day something, or or whenever the you're day most, you're back. The, yeah, whenever oh you're my. most busy, yeah, you get this like crazy curveball situation that you have to deal with, and that's what makes real estate a little bit tricky to deal with sometimes, and it's what most people don't want to deal with. But I, I I swear I've never met anyone who's owned property for ten years or longer who's really regretted any of it. Some of it has not been joyful, but oh, they haven't really regretted it. Totally, it's it's uh, it's absolutely worth it. And uh, at some point, you, your friends are going to tell you how uh, lucky you are or, or something along that line. And you will always have that story of the nine dogs, the five cats. And I've had other adventures besides those guys. So, uh, But then you can say, no, it's not luck. It's hard work, blah, blah, blah. And here's my story to prove my point, right? And uh, But... Long term, it's been worth it. Absolutely and, worth uh, it. And I think this w- w- it was recently, maybe the last year or two years, I feel like you went on a pretty good trip. Uh, I feel like you went in all different spots or, or around the world. How long was that trip? Okay, I forget. So, I feel like that was a good trip. Okay, so um, my wife, myself, my son, and my daughter. So my son's five now, my daughter's two. So when she, it's like a year and a half ago, um, we went on 77 days in Australia and New Zealand. We lived in a, a camper and uh, we drove. So we drove around Australia and saw the sights and it was pretty cool. Uh, we drove in New Zealand and on both islands for like two weeks on each island kind of thing. And that was pretty cool. But we basically drove the distance home, right? So like 15 or 17,000 kilometers or something. Um, But I mean, that's a lot of time to spend with your family, man. Like... I feel, I feel like you're about to say, yeah, that was too much. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, no, that was, <laughs> no, it's nice. Yeah, I'm joking. Of yeah, course. So yeah, yeah. We refinanced the property, bought the student rentals, and that paid for our vacation as well. Oh, right? very, very cool. So, so, you know, like there was no saving and scrimping for that. We refinanced the property and went on holidays basically to celebrate. Yeah, and, and, and that's something both Nick and I have done. And I feel like, um, you know, we believe that everybody needs their own asset base. You need money working for you. Like incomes are not going to be enough for any of us to live the life the way we want it. You need a, you need an asset base. And when you're able to tap into that asset base and extract some equity out of that asset base, you can kind of double down and buy more assets. But every once in a while, you take a little bit of that money and do exactly what you did because that well, that's what makes life worth it. We got to live today too. And I feel like when you build an asset base for yourself, you can do that. I felt the path I was on when I was just only, I guess, quote unquote, earning an income, I didn't feel I would have the financial ability to do that. And now I know, Dan, you know, for the last 10 years, Nick and I have both taken pretty much a month off and gone to Croatia with the family and hung out. And 
you know, we've done that now. It's 2019. So I think this year will be my 10th year in a row going with my family. I think it's my eighth year in a row going. And that's been a lot of time we've been able to hang out together. You know, my son's 17 now. My daughter's 13. To them, this feels like it might be normal. So who knows what I'm doing to their expectations. But oh, I, feel wow. very, yeah. I feel very grateful yeah. to be able to spend that much time. And uh, New Zealand, I'd love to go. What did you like? Was there something that stuck out to you in New Zealand? New Zealand was the star of the show, hands down, without a doubt. Uh, my wife is absolutely in love with a place called Milford Sound. Um, basically, you're, you're, we were on like really large tourist boats that will hold hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And you're, you're driving on fresh water until it meets the, the ocean, right? So there's a, a definite line between one and the other. At the same time, on either side of you are these mountains. So they come right out of the water and they, they'll be, I don't know, a mile, mile and a half up on either side of you. So like you're in this water-filled valley, right? And the, the tour guide's saying, you can see the marks from the first glacier and the second glacier and the third glacier and the fourth glacier and and if you get sprayed by the water from this waterfall you're blessed or something like that and like like that was awesome but that is a gorgeous gorgeous country and I can't I don't know. Something I want to ask you when you got started in real estate, <clears throat> something we see a lot, especially between a husband and wife, was one of you more pro real estate and one of you more kind of like, mm, I don't know what we're doing here? Or were you guys both equally kind of into this? There's some great debate about that. Uh, <laughs> she'll, she'll say it was her idea. I'll say it was mine. But ultimately, I found you guys. So I, I get credit for that, right? <laughs> Dan, and you know what? It's totally a two-way street, man. Look at all the stuff you guys have dealt with and put up with and handled with real estate. Like, we know how much stuff people who are in real estate deal with. I mean, Alex is sitting here, and I feel like his father, I feel like your dad, Greg, uh, I forget one property, I think had a big flood or a pipe oh, burst. Oh, yeah, the basement. But the basement? Yeah, it was, like, completely flooded and, like, twice had to renovate and it. And I feel like, yeah, he just times. renovated it yeah, one time it and it flooded again. again. Like, oh, brutal. Yeah, so uh, we've all been through so much. That's why, to, or back to your earlier point of people who say, oh, you're so lucky or you timed the market right. I mean, once you've been in this business for a long time, you feel like you've earned every single penny that is coming your way because of all the stuff that you've dealt with. And, and Dan, to your credit, in 2008, 2009, you were buying probably most aggressively 2008, 9, 10, 11, kind of through yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. That. Yeah. that period was when a lot of people, like I remember somebody driving to our office, an, a slightly older gentleman who is in real estate, giving us a DVD explaining um, how the world was going to come to an end financially and how we should sell all our assets and, you know, just kind of buy gold and silver. Buy, and buy I'm golden bullets. I'm yeah, basically. Okay. And I'm pro gold and silver. Absolutely. But I didn't think it was the right time to just dump all of our assets. So a lot during that time, people thought like you got to get out of everything because the world's coming to an end. So to your credit, you guys pushed forward. I'll never forget Nick and I back in that era. We had about t 10 investors in 2009 who told us when when news gets negative, even more negative than it is now, we are going to buy. 
And when we went back late 2009, because, you know, things were looking pretty bleak at that time, um, we went back to those list of investors and only two of them said they would proceed because the other eight of that, two of them that we still work with today, by the way, who are very happy, the eight uh, other ones said, no, are you kidding me? Now's not the right time to buy. Things are going to get worse. So I just found in good times or in bad times, anytime anyone tries to time the market, they always make a mistake. The best approach is just get in and get in with a strategy that is going to allow you to hold the property for 10 years or longer and survive the market. So credit to you, Dan. I, I can agree. I can agree. Yeah. So someone listening to this who's thinking about getting started in real estate and they're telling themselves this story right now. I can't believe how high prices are. I mean, I grew up uh, in New Market. I can't believe how the prices are now. I know Curtis. I know Clarington. I know Barry. You know, I know all these different areas. Um, now's not the right time. What do you find yourself telling these people? I don't want to sound like a dick, but do you really think housing housing prices are going to get cheaper? Like, there's really long term. There's nowhere to go but up. Uh, so I mean, if you're waiting, the housing prices are getting more expensive, and if you're saving money up to buy them, they're getting more expensive than you are earning on your savings, right? So it's something that is running away from you faster than you can save money for it so i mean you it's in your own best interest to get moving on this stuff the longer you wait the harder it gets and, and uh something yeah i never thought about that it's running away from you faster then you can catch up to it. That's kind of a good way to break it down because that's exactly what's happening, especially between the difference with incomes and asset prices. Something I find myself explaining a lot to people is, you know, everything that you went through, I'm like, well, if, if you're worried about damage or vacancies on properties, there's insurance for that. I mean, you can get insurance now. It's going to cost you more than regular insurance, but it didn't exist a long, it didn't exist 10 years ago, some of these insurance programs. But some some insurers now have programs where they, were where they will insure against vacancies, they will insure against tenant damage, all the things that are your fears, they will insure against. In the last three or four years, I've seen more investor insurance programs than I ever thought would be available to any of us. Again, I just want to say, you do pay higher rates for this kind of stuff, but if that's something that's holding you back, um, it's something to consider. And then to your point, you do, I feel you do have to protect yourself for property prices to go down because even though I'm kind of with you, like I don't think property prices are going down, especially in this market with our population growth, you, to me, you, it doesn't grant you the, the permission to buy properties that you can't hold for 10 years. And what I mean by that is don't buy a property just because of the appreciation and you're going to eat negative $500 a month on cash flow because you're expecting the property to go up. Because we do see that wow. where people will buy properties just for the appreciation because quote unquote properties can only go up. And I would say that's not the right approach. Still buy properties where you can cover your costs or create cash flow and then you're protected from any market situation. Okay, totally agree. Right, yeah, and I know you agree with that kind of stuff, but but I'm kind of with you. I'm like, I don't know, especially in the GTA where property prices are gonna go. Um, and I, I'm, I guess I'm putting you on the spot here, Dan, but do you, other, any other lessons or looking back, any anything that you guys have learned um, over the years on, on something that you had wish you had done differently or a fear that never came to fruition um, or did come to fruition? Just looking back, anything you would change or do, differently with your investing? I'm, I'm struggling to come up with an answer. 
Um, I've always been afraid of my tenants, I think, and my wife has uh, stepped up to bat and helped out a lot more than, than I'd like to admit. So um, I give her great credit for that. I'm, I'm doing my best to... Uh, I'm not afraid of them. I just have a hard time being the, the hard the, the hard ass with them, right? Um, but I have no problems doing, like, you know, the email thing, I, you know. Uh, but I've grown up and I've evolved and, and I'm more able to communicate with them now. So hats off to my wife. Uh, and I'd say to the average person that if your spouse is not on board with you, this is going to be a little more difficult for you than if they are on board with you. So I think you should get that worked out early. And if not, get yourself a partner. Yeah, good, good advice. And listen, you're not alone on uh, being scared of tents. I'll never forget this first student rental property Nick and I purchased. I Nick was on vacation when we took possession, and I had to go and cut the grass and they called saying that the microwave broke and I didn't realize that the microwave was like the past tenants we weren't really taking responsibility of the microwave but I thought we had to at that time so I went to a friend's house he had a microwave in his garage that he had won at some bachelor party or something I paid him like 50 bucks for this microwave and then I collapsed my lawnmower in my Honda Civic and I jammed it into the trunk of my car and my trunk wouldn't close so I like I bungee corded it closed <laughs> and I drove microwave. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was the lawnmower sorry that, that was oh, the lawnmower okay. in the trunk and the microwave was like in the back seat and I went and I dropped off the microwave like on the front steps but I didn't even like knock at the door because I'm like okay I'll just leave it here but I'm gonna go cut the grass maybe they'll just see it there and I won't even have to deal with them because I was petrified and uh, I remember cutting the grass and one of the tenants was looking at me through the window of the kitchen in the backyard as I was cutting the grass and I kind of saw them looking at me and I felt it was like a horror movie because I was scared of them but then the curtains kind of closed and I'm like are they scared of me too and I was just like so petrified and then I went in the house because a couple locks had to be changed and I changed the locks while they were staring at me you know and you know how nervous you oh, get yeah, when you're, I know what yeah, you you're staring so you're, it you're, drops yeah they were just like looking over me as I changed the locks because some of the students doors I don't know but the keys wouldn't fit or something so I went in there I changed a couple locks I cut the grass like I gave them their microwave and I remember leaving I must have been sweat like I must have been just pure sweat out of just fear and intimidation I didn't even have to ask for rent I didn't have to do anything like that would you know maybe be a little bit scary and I was just completely petrified of the whole experience man so Dan you're not alone we even had one other guy who called us a coward over email we saw him this is when we were much more confident we had experience and we saw him at the property he was moving out and he sent us an email calling us a coward um, and this particular property I think we got into a, an argument over who had last month's rent like we clearly in this case for some reason didn't collect last month's rent I forget why like I would never advise okay. doing that anyway there was some disagreement on it he moves out calls us a coward and I remember getting that email and even over email I was slightly scared I'm like oh my god this guy sounds like what the heck is he gonna come looking for me or something but uh, and that was when I had experience now we're well past that we have full confidence in everything that we're doing and tenants don't really intimidate us in any capacity. So if you ever need help with anything at all, I feel like at Rockstar, we should have like this SWAT team where there's like, you know how you're on call yeah. with, the, with the volunteer, the fire department yeah. right now? I feel like we should have a SWAT team of Rockstar members who are just on call to deal with any kinds of situations. So based on the situation, um, you can call in the right oh, people wow. to That'd deal with neat. it. Can you imagine? That? So that's <laughs> like, imagine that? like an in-house uh, advisory team. Or yeah, yeah, like totally, that. totally. But uh, anyway, um, Dan, anything else you wanted to share before we wrap this up? 
Well, I've got more stories than the dog and cats, but I don't think we have the time. No, no, no. Um, no we have, share, share one more crazy story. Share one of your favorite crazy stories. Okay, so I had a, my second property in Barrie. The, the, the rent, big rent-to-own sign goes on the front lawn. Uh, the neighbors next door, I guess they didn't want a renter or a rent-to-owner. Um, so every single time I went to that property, the rent-to-own sign was knocked down. Oh, and I there thought were, you were going to say stolen. And there, oh. was, there was bicycle tracks over it, like, often. And every single time that I went there to show off the property, they were like revving up engines on the front lawn or mowing the backyard or something like that, like to make lots of noise. And the teenagers were sitting on the hood of somebody's car in the driveway. I had a mom and a daughter. She's the daughter's 13, 15, something like that. They said the most horrible thing about her. And it's like, what do I do here? What's the right thing to do? My mom certainly gave him a dressing down, right? Like, you don't say that to anybody in public, right? Um, but that's just the kind of mindset that that these people had, right? So uh, we moved in this monstrous, big, you know, a big guy, uh, a construction worker that had just come from the Alberta oil sands. They would not have screwed with him at all. They'd have been scared of him. It was awesome, and he was a, he was a <laughs> great. Dan's revenge on the property. You're gonna mess with. I can't believe they were on the other side of the property. On they were probably revving their engines. Like, what is yeah. that? Some kind of weird intimidation yeah. technique. Like, they wanted to make it as unpleasant as possible for me to fill that property, right? So at the same time, I've got a vacancy in Hamilton. So I'm in Barry one day. I'm in Hamilton the next. I'm in Barry. I'm in Hamilton. I'm in Barry. I'm in Hamilton. I'm going to Barry to show off a property, and I'm called for a, a tornado strike at a, a horse farm. They've got 400 people on the property, and there's people injured. And it's like I've got three, and, and like my finances are absolutely redlined. You know, I've got my mortgage, I've got a second mortgage, I've got Hamilton, I've got Barry, and it's like, oh my God, how am I going to pay for this? The advertising is just insane. You know how, how expensive it is to put ads in the paper. So. You know, and I'm doing it in two cities. And, no one is you know, going to remember oh how expensive it was. But if you if you don't know how expensive it was to advertise, the papers were pricey. Holy crow. So uh, I've got three families coming. I'm desperate. And I'm getting called for this, you know, tornado hit this horse farm with 400 people on site and there's injuries. And it's like, what is the right thing to do there? That is such a horrible moral dilemma for me. And I wound up turning my car around on the road on the way to Barry like four, like one, two, three, four times. It was just bad, you know. I wound up having to go to Barry and show my property. Uh, I didn't want to lose my house, right? Yeah, so uh, that, absolutely. So that's dude. Sometimes to, before you can save the world, you need to save yourself. Yeah. You so, know? so <laughs> yeah, it was, exactly. it was yeah. fifty-two days where I had both properties empty, and that is because I think I'm. Um, I'm not the best uh, landlord when it comes to showing off my places. And, you know, I think I, I uh, like I said, I'm scared of people, right? I'm not a sales Dude, guy. you're doing a great job, man. You're doing a great job. For you sharing all this today, you're doing an awesome job. Yeah, and I'm sober. That's the best part. <laughs> That's pretty rare. <laughs> I don't think when we first met 10 years ago, you would have sat down and shared stuff like this. But, you know, what you're sharing, I think, is really important for everyone, all of us to hear because we've all been through those moments where you're stretching your finances to the limit. And I think when you're trying to build your asset base, we all kind of go to that dark place. 
And I think looking back now, I feel lucky that I scraped through a few times. And, and that's probably something I would just advise anyone that always make sure you have access to some liquid cash somewhere and anticipate, you know, we always say be short term paranoid with real estate, but long term optimistic, optimistic yeah. because you never know what's going to happen. Maybe you are going to have um, some vacancies that go longer. Nick and I once filled seven, seven or nine properties, I'm forgetting now, wow. in a row on the very first showing. And we were getting so confident. We're like, oh my gosh, I guess we're the best. Like, I guess now we are like what you would call awesome real estate investors. We hit this next property, took us five months okay. to find a tenant. And that property was perfect. We cut the grass, we maintained it, just through circumstances like someone was ready to sign up, but then they had a family situation change, so they bailed on us, then we had to re-advertise the property. So just through, through different circumstances, five months to fill it. So I find real estate is a very humbling thing. The moment that you figure that oh, you've yeah. got it all figured out. You get cocky and you get knocked down just as fast. It's great. It, yeah. It's yeah. totally it's totally great. But uh, but you survived that period. So yep. you were, yeah. your finances were pushed to the limit. But yeah. then what? You got tenants in both properties? Yes, we did. Yeah, yeah got I'm it. very happy with that. Got it. Yeah. Um, 30 months later, the big, big oil worker bought the place out. We, uh, we made a very healthy profit off of that. So... That was a really, really fast rent to own. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's funny how some work out like that, right? And it's also funny, I feel, how your context changes in real estate. Nick and I had a rent to own uh, property buy out last week. And uh, some money was deposited into one, you know, one of our bank accounts and stuff. And I guess like 10 years ago or 15 years ago, we would have probably been like jumping up and down in celebration. And now yeah. like the context changes so is much. It's it? like, oh, so how much is the tax hit going to be? Like, how are we? What, did you tell the accountant about that's happening? You know, yeah, like it just turns into like an almost an everyday thing. And sometimes I think we need to pause and kind of reflect and say, holy smokes, you know, um, that's kind of a lump of cash that would have taken us who knows how long to make when we were in our 20s and now that's just hitting our bank account and we doesn't it doesn't even really phase us and i don't mean to be arrogant in any me, uh, way i just mean sometimes your context changes right I get so it. I uh get it. dan just watching you and laura from the outside uh, we're 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 totally impressed with you guys, man. You guys have stuck through Thank everything you. and you deserve everything coming your way. But uh you shared that cool story there. Anything else on your mind that you wanted to get off your chest before we wrap? No. Yeah, that's it. No, I'll, I'll find <laughs> I love I that like the German. I'll find something. No. The dramatic no, but uh, Dan, really, thank you for sharing this. Really, I mean, we feel fortunate to uh, have crossed paths with both of you guys. Um, we're pumped uh, to see pictures of you guys traveling around the world and doing cool stuff with your kids and that kind of stuff. Um, really means a lot. You're sitting here with a rock star T-shirt on that you actually made this Rockstar t-shirt yeah. and sent us because I have a version of this at home. This is the unauthorized Rockstar shirt. Yeah, totally. Um, were you going to say something there? Um, <clears throat> so I was one of those guys in a dead-end job, no pension, no benefits that I absolutely hated. Okay? My dreams were dead. I felt like a failure, and I hated my life. So it's 10 years later, all right? I've got new dreams. I don't feel like a failure anymore. And I think my retirement's looking pretty good, you know? Uh, so this is sort of, I don't know. I don't want to say the word redeemed. I don't have the right word, but you understand where I'm coming from here. Like this, this is a life-changing thing for me, and I'm really grateful that I've gotten involved in this real estate investing with Rockstar. So, I mean, you know, thanks. 
let's leave it at that. I mean, uh, thank you, Dan. Thanks for sharing that. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Tom Crowds again. So hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Dan Illman. Great guy, like I mentioned. I'm just grateful that he would come on and share his uh, his journey and his story like that. And if you are listening to this and you want some more real estate investing information, you can get that at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. That's a free copy of our book that we sell on amazon.ca. Um, of all our books are on Amazon actually, but you can get free digital copies of them at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. And someone was asking me, why do you give away your books for free? And the whole idea for giving away the books is that we feel that if we can give away enough good, valuable information that one day, if you're in the greater Toronto area, you might think, hey, I want to work with these guys and I want to buy some investment properties with these guys. And that's our whole intent to give good information, hopefully be helpful. Maybe one day you'll think of coming out and meeting us and we'll work together. That's the whole idea. So if you want a copy of one of our books, you can buy it on Amazon or you can get a free digital copy at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. That's it for now. Until next time, your life, your terms.